0: Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Today's topic is going to help you understand more about something that presents itself in all horses in a variety of ways, anxiety. Stay with us as we cover some specific examples of how anxiety is affecting horses We'll draw on Mark's expertise to give you answers on how to help these horses. It's a fascinating subject, and I think you'll enjoy this session.
1: Anxiety is a natural thing in in horses. They, you know, as a herd animal, as a um uh, a prey animal, they 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 do tend to um, have anxiety, ups and downs, and anxiety, you know, with little conflicts that they have in the herd all the time and stuff like that. And same as humans. Um, we live in a world with, with, you know, that we, we have an inflow of anxiety that comes in and it's the decisions that we make, uh, that, that, um, help let go of that anxiety and stop it from, from building up. So a simple scenario is, um, oh, I'm feeling very hot. Uh, the anxiety starts to build up Oh, I might go in the shade and have a cold, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe put a cold towel on my head or something like that. So you you treated the anxiety of getting too hot by by putting a cold towel on your head and get, and seeking some shade. So basically, anxiety is a flow in, flow out thing. Uh, the, the 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 anxiety that we see where we're having big troubles in horses is is mostly the anxiety that's getting trapped in there and becomes stress. And it's also them not being able to make a decision to reduce that anxiety. So either they can't make a decision on their own when there's something happening or there's no pathways available that we've offered them to help them reduce that anxiety. So, so basically anxiety is not like an evil word in the sense of all oh, my horses got anxiety. It's like, well, horses are always uh, dealing with anxiety. It's how they're letting go of anxiety. That is the key in all of our training. So if, if people can think about that, then, then you know, it's stress that's the biggest problem. Um, and that's just um, compounded anxiety that, that, that the horse can't release.
0: Mark, the first question comes from Les. And he has a really cool dude, a warm blood gelding, who goes trail riding. And he floats to go trail riding absolutely fine. But after a two-hour ride, it takes two hours to get back on the float. Can you shed some light onto why this might be happening?
1: Yeah, this is a. It's actually quite a common thing. I see it, it uh, when I do workshops, and I, I hear the same story over. You know, from people going to a show one day, or going on, like same thing trail ride and that sort of stuff, and then the horse gets gets hard. You know, to load uh, on the. You know, on the way home, I'm I'm airing on the the side of, I think the reason, and I think this is the most common reason that horses don't load uh, in a float uh, when you've finished whatever you're doing at another destination. So basically at home, your horse's uh, stress levels are a lot lower. Uh, They're comfortable. They're not on uh, as as much alert. Uh, And some horses may seem like they're very comfortable and quiet out on trail rides. But they might be one of those horses that internalise a little bit and you don't kind of notice the anxiety in the sort of quiet horse that's just poking along with its head down versus the, the horse that's got its eyes on sticks and sort of, you know, looking at everything and looking a bit more frantic. So, you know, one looks like it's really, really stressed, but the other one is kind of internalising. So sometimes they look quite quiet, but still their level of stress is still possibly quite high for them. So what I'm thinking is when 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 you go to load your horse at home, um it's caution levels and awareness levels and all that are a lot lower so it can deal with the worry of a float so the 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 float is obviously, obviously still a place that the horse is not comfortable in but when it's not so worried it can f- go in there going oh well i'm i feel safe enough to go in there though i don't like it um when your horse is at a destination after a trail ride, then its it's high, Its awareness is heightened and there's a lot of other things it has to look about, you know, think about um, there's a certain level of stress and and possibly mistrust in it. Um, not necessarily always mistrust of the owner, sometimes it could be, but uh, it could be just not trusting the environment and the things that are happening and having to keep an eye on things. So um, being a slightly more threatened in a more foreign environment, then the float is suddenly going, well, I'm not going to go into a, Dangerous environment. When I feel slightly threatened, I need to have, you know, a bit of bit of you know room around me to make decisions and stuff like that. So the level of threat of the float is um, is elevated because the level of the threat in the horse from a, a more stimulating environment is elevated. So you're not going to go and walk into a, a corner when you need to make a a, a fast decision. You don't want to be trapped in a corner. And and I, and I think what happens to horses, they don't their their level of anxiety is up, so the the worry about the float is higher, and also they don't want to go and get trapped in the float when they've got a need to think about all, about all these things. Okay. Uh, the other thing is there are horses that sometimes you know they ha- they they're, they're kind of after the journey, after the whole stress of everything, then they don't want to go back in to the horse float. So some horses, I think, they've had a few easy travels and things are okay but then they might have one big journey to get to a destination and they think oh crikey do I have to do that again so that also can come into play but I think more so it's always the um when the horse is carrying more anxiety more worry um they don't they're not going to commit to the float because it um the float is also a a more disempowering to a horse uh because a a horse needs it's uh it's its, it you know it needs the availability of space to make decisions, and when that space is taken away, it becomes very vulnerable. So going to float makes it more vulnerable uh, when it's when it's um, more heightened in its awareness and uh, anxiety.
0: Okay, next question for you is from Cassie, and we've got a few questions to get through, so we're just going to roll roll into these one after the other. Um, Cassie has got a new gelding, a nine-year-old quarter horse, and she's noticed that even he's tied, when he's tied up, even just for five minutes, he starts to wind suck or crib. Uh, he doesn't seem to do it at any other time, and his teeth are quite fine, so perhaps he hasn't been doing it for very long. She's not quite sure. The previous owner said they would never seen him do it in the past, but who knows? She does comment, though, however, that when she walked up to him in the paddock, she can't get near him if she has the halter with her. He sees it, and he's very hard to catch. He'll walk away and won't come near her. But she's wondering if you've got any advice on how on earth she can help him with wind-sucking and cribbing. Can you just explain those terms, too, for anyone out there who perhaps isn't familiar with them?
1: Uh, Wind-sucking and cribbing is sometimes they crib bite and just bite on rails. Uh, Wind-sucking is becomes a bit of an addiction where they open up the airways and they suck, suck big amounts of air straight through into their, into their stomach. And it's not a very, very good thing. And they get addicted to it, but it's just a, it just becomes a, um, an addiction for a horse. that's sometimes in the past been stabled. Um, it becomes a a boredom thing, um, that sort of thing. So then it's, it's just a, it's almost like a, I don't know if you could call it a coping mechanism to the environment that they're in. Whereas a horse out in a herd, that's always got these constant stimuluses, food at hand, all this sort of stuff, uh, not carrying lots of tension and stress all the time, then they're not likely to go down the road of, of the, the wind sucking and cribbing and stuff like that. Um, at a clinic, uh, uh, last year or the year before, possibly down, down in Victoria, a lady came with this really pretty little Arab, very sensitive sort of fellow. And, um, She showed me uh, a photo of where the yearlings were weaned or not the yearlings that before they were yearlings, they were weaned whenever between six months and a year that they were weaned. And we open up the photo and you look at all the rails all the way around and the rails just look like a mountain range because they were chewed down. Um, And that's just from little baby horses. Um, So the environment that those horses were weaned in and the way they were weaned was causing young horses to start to chew on rails with stress and stuff like that already at a young age. And, you know, usually you see it in more older horses. So this horse has a habit of doing that. And she's never had him in a, in a locked up confined space, but it was it was just started through the stress of bad weaning. So, you know, that sort of stuff is really sad to hear, you know, that you shouldn't have young horses at that age starting to chew on rails and stress and, fret like that so you know we really have to think f- about the whole process of the weaning and everything to to help horses have a good mind and not 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 get these kind of coping these stress coping mechanisms that they get so but going back to to your horse and uh just just what i've sort of got out of the question is i get the feeling your horse carries a lot of stress in education that he just kind of sort of hides it well uh he or she sorry i've missed with um the gender, but um so so basically they they by the by the by the way the horse is walking away when you go to catch it it just says, Oh, here comes the holder, here comes my lack of freedom and you know, as soon as you put that holder on, do the knot up, chances are that horse goes I'm I'm mentally hobbled. Uh so like like at a lot of clinics I'll sort of say to someone, Well, let's take the hobble off your horse and they say, What do you mean? I said, Well I'll just take that holder off and you'll see some horses they'll stand there like a like nothing and they'll just stand like frozen and you walk away and they do nothing and then all of a sudden they'll kind of look around and go nothing's happening and then they just take off and then all of a sudden they're in the fence frantic um, and you haven't done anything you've just walked away and go give them freedom and they, they do so that just tells the person how much stress is in that horse and what it will end up doing if you give it the freedom so that's all bottled up in them uh, and they become obedient and that's why I think you know when you when you tie your horse up there's that bottled up stress of a learned helplessness, uh, obedience in it that's going back to, you know, cribbing or um, wind sucking, chewing the rails, stuff like that. So it's just uh, the horse is standing obedient. It, it can't make any decisions for itself, so it's just kind of starting to chew when it's tied up. So um, the the way out of it uh, to get your horse better is is you'd, you'd, you'd have to start to, you know, Education would have to have a purpose and a thought change in it. So the horse is thinking through what it's doing. Um, Every time it makes a decision, it's reducing some of the anxiety that it's carrying by thinking. I am pretty sure your horse has just learned to move away from pressure. So there is pressure. I move away from pressure. I just stay within the boundaries of pressure. I don't think. And that's why it carries so much anxiety because the horse is only thinking the same thing over and over and over. Pressure, 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 pressure. No pressure, stand there. Okay. Um, So it doesn't release any of that tension by going, oh, I'm going to go towards my thoughts or there's a bit of pressure. What's my alternatives? Where can I go? Um, So I don't think it's a thinking horse that you're working. It's just a compliant horse which means the tension stays in there. And uh, so you know, there's a lot of connection work you have to do, and then uh, which is you just sort of weigh a little on your horse, let it soften a little, and let let it allow you into its space. But that's not the be all and end all. That has to change later on to get the horse to come out of itself. But it's a start on a horse that's just a bit bit being hardened. But then the education has to offer the horse pathways that get it to uh, make decisions, opposed to just move away from pressure. And and that's a so, so important thing in, in in education. But if you address that. Those the times that your horse is tied up um, and, and and catching will get so much easier. Um, another thing for horses like that, there's a self-awareness lesson that I do that I actually test horses and usually they'll stand still because they're obedient, but I actually get them to move away from something that they're slightly threatened by until they start to go, oh, I'm allowed to move a little bit when I'm concerned about something and they go, oh, thank God for that. I thought I had to stand and be obedient. Uh, and sometimes little lessons like that can really help them too because they just thought they had to do the right thing, not make a raw decision. And um, so sometimes with the, the shut down horses or more than sometimes, I'll really look at what sort of raw decision they make under a kind of a neutral anxiety that the horse is not sure about. You know, there's no answer to the question. You just got to figure out what you want to do when you're worried about something. And I watch what they do and the choices that they make. And usually the the horses that are shut down, They don't make a raw choice. They just either do something obedient that looks like a cue to do something they've been taught, or they just sort of hide away in a freeze going, I don't know what to do. I just, if I stand still, I won't get, you know, in trouble. Um, whereas a horse that's a bit more raw and thoughtful, it'll go, Oh, yeah, it's over there. I might just move here and then I might have a look at it and then I might, you know, maybe do something else. And you'll see them make all these little decisions. And, And that's how I sort of test them and, um, you know, to find out. How available they are to make decisions and help themselves.
0: So with that with the wind sucking, um, though you know is there anything that she, it, when when he starts to do it, she should see, what should she should do at that point because it's not something you want to encourage.
1: No, but I, I think the wind sucking uh, is something that is if if the horse is not that anxious standing at a rail and that frozen. Um, it won't do that as much. Um, so there's right. a reason why it's standing standing at the rail wind sucking, and that's because it's standing there probably suffering from some sort of separation anxiety, but it, it's not one of those horses that's going to speak up and start pouring the ground and, you know, bouncing backwards and forwards. It's just going to suddenly wind suck or something like that, and that'll be its coping mechanism because somewhere in the past that has been its coping mechanism. After everything else failed, then it just goes, oh, I'm just going to suck on a rail and, you know, do that instead uh, or chew on a rail. If they've windsucked, they've probably tried other things first and then it reverted to that, so they might have paced a stable for a while and then one horse, you know, there might be two brothers and one horse in a stable became a weaver, the other one became a windsucker, depending on what they chose to do. But, you know, the one that became the weaver was pacing from corner to corner to corner to corner corner till it just started to go weave, 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 weave. The other one paced, got frantic, and then it started chewing the rail. So so uh, once upon a time, the horse would have probably poured the ground. It might have done all sorts of things and then eventually got to just sucking on a rail because maybe it was tied up for hours on end until it Shut finally down. just got, become mm. helpless. Yeah, so so, so I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say is I think you get a horse to lead properly, follow a feel, show how empowered it is through a lead rope and soft with a lead rope. You get better connection with it get it educated a lot better so it's thinking through situations and then as you are working you might just hang the rope over a rail go and pick up a saddle blanket, do something else over there make a cup of tea come back uh you, you only make a cup of tea not far from your horse but you come back and then you go and do something else with your horse and then the horse starts to learn to be quiet with the lead and soft and then it doesn't carry all that anxiety so it doesn't go to that coping mechanism of being a helpless horse because it's not helpless anymore
0: Hope that sheds some light on on that for you, Cassie. I mean, obviously there's um a fair bit that you can now work on um and and sort of try to open him up to which will of course uncover a whole load of other areas that you need to work on. Um so you might wanna go through the challenge with him. We do say that a fair bit on this one, but it does offer you that pathway to really establish starting off your education with the horse sort of on the right foot and also that uh, challenge is designed to to really shed some light on areas that you need to pinpoint to to work on some flaws. um so there's the bubble and there's also the whole load of connection issues on the membership which you can explore some of that you know different angles you can approach him with it you know just um all sorts of things that they can all be starting to work on right now Um, next question for you mark is from renee and um She has her horse, Buddy, who you might remember, who's been to a few clinics this year. Mm. And some of those clinics you've worked on float loading extensively. He was a little bit shut down and Renee hasn't had him for very long. Um, But what she has discovered um, now that we've opened him up a bit um, and you've sort of been working on these braces with Renee and she's, you know, he's going quite, quite well, nice and light on the ground and she's finding a lot lighter. He'll occasionally stop, but he'll listen to the pressure on the lead and he'll happily come forward. So it sounds like you've been doing some great work, Renee, and well done. But what she's found is that he now has no confidence with a rider with him out on trails and he's really spooky. Um, She's got Mm. some tracks. She lives in a beautiful area of Australia near the Blue Mountains and she goes on some tracks. But to get there, she's got to go through some residential areas. And, um, you know, one time he's been calling, has had a horse at home calling to him, which has led to him getting quite stressed and calling back. Uh, And um, she's had to sort of stop and circled him a few times to sort of get him back calm what she's wondering is what's sort of the best way to get out of this situation that she's in now should she keep <laughs> walking him and just trying to get further out each time should she continue to walk him back or should she should be riding him back home um, and perhaps should she actually just be riding him on his back you know what's your suggestion for sort of building his confidence at this level
1: yeah, it's a tough it's a it's a tough one and, and knowing him, um, the way he shuts out and shuts down can be quite difficult. I know that's been a challenge for you and um, being able to press the right button to give him to open up and become thoughtful is always a tricky one. Um, but w- like just for everybody else and, um, and and for yourself, Renee, is is there's a, there's one thing that he does very well and um, and so when you ride him and you would have noticed this when you were riding him Um, and when you were leading him as well, is near the float, he'd shut out a lot. Now, he'd actually block out what was in front of him and just kind of lock out. But he's a horse that's in the past. If you look at a lot of his decisions, he refuses to take on the future and he gets stuck in the past. So the past is what's behind him. Um, So there's two types of uh, magnetisms, emotional magnetisms, when you take horses out into a new place. So an example of a horse just on the six-day clinic that we just worked, I said I was really proud of the horse. Though he had a very good um, freeze response, Uh, he had a little bit of freezing in him and he had that freeze and freeze that he did, Um, he was very good at only taking on what was in front of him and not getting stuck on what was behind him, which I was quite proud of him for because it's quite a difficult thing to um, just be nervous about your environment in front and not suddenly um, put the safety of what's behind you in the forefront of your, you know, decision-making part of your mind, I suppose. So that was a really healthy thing because all he was doing was soaking up what was in front of him. He didn't – so if anything made him feel like he was kind of pushing back, it was only what was pushing towards him that he was nervous of. He didn't have anything pulling him from behind. And that's, that's the harder one. You know, when you've got a, a horse that you're riding and there's that pull from behind and they're refusing to take on anything at, in front of them, when they get a spook, it shocks them because they're not taking on what's in front of them. And when they get a shock, their desire to be back there is a lot stronger. So it sort of compounds every time they get a shock for, or anything. And then also, if anything calls from behind, it double reinforces the fact that they should be back there. So by by hooking onto the past, they're shutting out the future, and they're not looking at the scary things ahead of them. Because he's not a very confident horse. He's not a horse that just goes out and go. Oh, what's that over there? I better investigate. So some horses aren't confident, but they actually will very slowly investigate things. But they're a bit more uh, worried than another horse that just goes. Oh, well, yeah, I can do this. This is what I do on. You know, this is this is my forte. I I take on things um, ahead of me. So it's not the past or the or the. Or the past and future is more so what's behind them, what's in front of them in the sense. So so if you can understand that in your horse, the primary thing that you're trying to do is get him to let go of what's behind him, the thing that's making him so so he's going, I don't want to leave safety. I'm not even going to think about what's ahead of me because I'm just thinking about what's behind me and, and where I need to be to be safe. Um, So when you take him out your primary function to start with is to say let go of thinking back to safety once he can let go of that then you bring him back to safety so cuz i don't think he's going to be he will think about what's ahead of him yes and there will be sometimes he goes oh what's that over there so i'm not saying he's completely blocked out from what's in front of him but usually what's going to happen if he see something in front of him that he's not not he, that worries him he's going to go I know what's behind me. I've got to get back there to safety. So he's hooked onto the safety more he is it than investigating what he's frightened of because he's not a great leader. He needs sometimes if there was a lead horse, he'd go, yeah, well, I'll let you, I'll follow you. You can go and show me, you know, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just do the, you know, follow along kind of thing. So, so, so basically when you take him out, you've got to really look at, okay, at what point does he start to emotionally withdraw and go behind? Okay. Okay. If you can sort of get close to that point, but not that he completely shuts out, and then reset him, you might get his attention, you might do something, you'll see him soften, then just take him back a little bit towards the safety, and then go back again until he starts to withdraw, thoughts go back, and then reset him a little, get him to sort of centre, so he might... Get his attention um, by the sounds of it in the question you did a couple of circles when the mayor was screaming or something and, and and that settled him down a little bit and then finally got him to walk home a little slowly but um, I think with him because he doesn't have a lot of confidence, you have to be careful of overwhelming him with the future okay with what's ahead of him uh, so he gets so worried you can't help him so you might have to do it in increments where you go out. Um, before he kind of gets too worried, you might reset him, stop for a little bit, uh, do something with him to get his attention, bring him back and then bring him back out again until you can take him further and further out and out reset him. So basically, when he gets overwhelmed, whether it be by backward thought or something that's worrying him in front of him, firstly, you have to reset him a little Um Because that forward thought that what's in front of him might very quickly turn into a backward thought. And he goes, there's something dangerous. Safety's not here. So the connection he has with you and what you're asking him has to be strong. So safety is around you, not necessarily behind him. So um, before I get too far, I've also got to say to you, you know, he's got to be soft with you. You know, he's got to be able to sniff on you. He's got to feel comfortable with you, all those things. So then when you do reset him, there's a place in beside you, around you that, that he's going to be comfortable. So you can do that leading for a while and just see how well and how far he can go without kind of tapping out. And then, you, then you're then you basically doing the same thing under saddle. You're reprogram- pre- reprogramming that horse. And though he's been ridden a lot in the past, he's been kicked and shoved and kicked and shoved and kicked and shoved and bottled it all up. So now that he's opening up, I think the whole time he's never really had to lead out and think about things. He's just bottled it up and moved away from pressure and eventually got to a stage that, you know he was basically shutting down and hard to shift at all so you know slowly but surely he's going to get his confidence and think about the things ahead of him but it's going to take him a while to get confidence with people confidence with the pressure and the questions we're asking um, but primarily you've got him to let go of what's what's behind him that's stopping him from thinking about what's ahead of him and soaking it up if he's going forwards not really soaking up what's ahead of him and he's still got his mind backwards then things out there will shock him and then out there will seem even more dangerous because he hasn't been soaking it up properly as he's been going so going back to the horses that aren't thinking backwards they're soaking up soaking up everything that's in front of them and assessing and making that place safe as they go by thinking about it and and working out you know just just by like observing and, you know, be like us walking along. I can't see any enemies out there. Yep. I think we're safe to go from here to a hundred metres over there without getting shot at. So, you know, we, we, will keep progressing. Um, but the person who's just thinking about their comfy bed back at home and how, how silly it is to be out here, they're not observing everything. They're just thinking about that. And that's the same as the horses. So if something happens, the horse gets more frightened more drawn back to safety. So, by letting go of the past, he's going to be a really thinking about and soaking up what's ahead of him, and he's going to make his own assessment of if it's safe or not whilst he's got your help, so you're helping him through it.
0: All right, good luck with that one, Renee, and I'm sure you might have another question for us as you progress with him mark the next question is from julie and it's about an old horse and a young horse so she has a new horse um this young guy two year old foaled gelding who's she says a really odd mix of stressy reactiveness and calm so when she first got him there were horses around her around that you know he was put in a paddock and the other horses ended up sort of getting quite ex- um excited about it they were galloping there was screaming going on and he just Um, didn't react at all he was quite happy just to ignore everything else that was going around him and eat his hay judy put this new young horse in a paddock with an older horse and it's just an old perjuron and they get on fairly well but she's now days have passed and she's finding it's very hard for her to go anywhere near her old horse so the young guy is interfering with her getting close to him and he's she thinks trying to drive him away and sort of keep her or keep him away from her. So if she has someone else that can catch the young horse, she can get, to the old horse. <laughs> I don't know their names, so I'm just using these terms. So I hope you're following this one. Um, uh, but uh, as soon as she takes her attention off the older horse, then the younger one is, um, you know, he sort of relaxes and he goes back to whatever he was doing. But as soon as her attention goes on the old horse, he's back to getting fizzy with energy, running in circles and sort of even doing things like bucking. Uh, she does say that he does have a slightly quirky behavior as well. Um, she calls it a displacement behavior. Um, he seems to do a very sort of odd, abrupt role, which he thinks is an attempt at self-soothing. So, she's just wondering if you can shed some light on why he might be having this sort of quite deliberate um, reaction when she is trying to catch her old horse. Um, you know, if you, and if you get any suggestions as well to help.
1: Yeah, well, I, when I read the question, to have a bit of a think about it. Um, it sort of got me thinking and, and there's there's a whole lot of things that could be the answer, but I'm, I'm going to sort of, I guess, go to the one that's in the forefront of my mind to sort of think about what's happening. Um, so you don't really know his past, a lot of his past, and you don't know, you know, if he's been fairly shut down in a pretty ordinary environment and he's kind of bottled up and there's mixed emotions, mixed mixed people have been working him in ways that have made him a bit troubled and, you know, what... what um, Life experience as he had, and then they got his his own hormonal things and his emotions and stuff. So so basically, um, he's getting to know himself a bit out there with your horse, and he's doing certain things that seem right for him. And one of those things maybe he's he's kind of enjoying the company uh, of that other horse, and he doesn't want that disrupted, so he's kind of managing him almost like a uh, you see a stallion would herd herd mares or herd together to say, you know, you know, stay together. And then, and then one horse might lead off and the stallion there might be sort of making sure they stay together. And, you know, if any other horses or any other threats come nearby that they'll sort of make sure that, that, that they're not allowed into that, that comfortable sanctuary of that herd or near the stallion's mares or whatever, whatever the reason could be, because it's not about a stallion protecting mares. It could be another horse just you're saying, get out of mare, saying get out. I don't want you here because this is our comfortable sanctuary and I like it, and I like the way it is, and and it's a natural herd instinct. If you did that, what he's doing, you would see a horse do in a normal herd situation. If another horse carrying trouble comes in um, mm. to to a space, uh, they they, they kind of want to protect that 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 space, and that's why there's a lot of troubled horses that aren't allowed into herds because um uh, because they're gonna uh, threaten that that um. I guess, unique thing that that herd has got going. And and horses are ruthless, uh, you know, lovely animals. But, you know, I think if a human did what it made, well, humans do. And in the past, there's been lots of bad things humans have done. But more and more, I think we're getting more ethical. But if we were just like horses, sometimes we'd say, oh, you're a bit troubled. I'm just going to leave you out there and not even worry about you. But we see a troubled person and go, oh well, let's help them because there's reasons why they're troubled or something like that. That horse doesn't go, you know. So I'm getting off off topic here, but I think it's an important subject to do with anxiety and um, and 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 why horses do certain things. So so I think he's by the feel of it, he's defending his his little comfortable thing that he may He might never had a nice comfortable thing like that, and he might have seen that's how other horses dealt. Maybe he was in a herd in the past where he was. Down the pecking order a bit, and that's how he was dealt. He was dealt that leading hand of, you know, get out, go, and that's what he's learned off other horses. Because some of the horses have been pushed around; they'll 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 be pushy horses as well. So, so you know, so so there's a lot of mixed up troubles in there. And by the sound of the rolling and the stress things that he's doing, he's he's still learning, and he's lost, and he carries he's carrying certain emotions, and 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 it's and it's an obvious sign of i I'd say a fairly unstable past. You know, maybe been to that home, been in a stable there, been with a herd that he wasn't accepted. Who, know, who knows? But anyway, it's just like a person that's had had a bit of an unstable past, but he's still doing a horse thing, which is, you know, go away. Um, this is a good moment where, you know, you're going to come over and you're going to make a change to what what I feel comfortable with. And um, so I'm the one that's going to control this little herd and and you're not allowed in. And I think that's all he's doing. The interesting thing I found in the question is is why he's not letting you in versus someone else, you know. So that's interesting because it's like, well, maybe he would, because some horses just associate all people. So say, for instance, people have trained him, but he's never been a soft horse. He's been like just, you know, obedient and carrying tension. And will he, any person that comes in, he's going to go, oh, here comes the human, here comes the provider of tension and lack of clarity, quick, mate, you know go away, human, get away from our herd. But he's he's choosing the humans, uh, which he lets in and, and doesn't let in. So that's interesting. So there must be something in there of a lack of clarity or a lack of sureness in your decisions or something that he's kind of protecting, whether it's um, an insecurity in you that he says, I don't want that insecurity near me, whether it's something that's happened between you and him, a fright that he's had with you, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to be critical of you because it could be just something simple. It could be just nothing. It could be just a choice he's made. It could be um, other people come in and they have a very abrupt ray and he remembers, oh, that's right, there's the scary person. I won't have it over them. Oh, well, here we go. I've got to be caught. So that's usually a common reason why some horses won't chase one person or another is they're actually frightened of one person. But you might be a good listener and you're kind of quiet and kind around him and he says, oh, well, you know, I might be able to push you around because you're a bit softer than these other people or you don't have that kind of, you know, strong bully-like you know, way of walking or whatever. So because some horses that have been pacified by other people and frightened by other people, they can actually be aggressive to a very quiet, kind person purely because they wanted to do it to the other person, but they never had the guts and they were so frightened because they're like, oh, I'm frightened of that person. But And they're just like a horse in the pecking order. It's not going to fight that horse, but it'll go and pick on that horse over there and and look like a real monster. So, But it goes and picks on the horse that's kind of, you know, easy to pick on because it's taken out all that anxiety and uh that it gets from the horse that's picked on it and takes it over to a softer horse much like um bullies or people being bullied do in a schoolyard sometimes they take a, that out on one of their softer friends all the time uh, so so you may also be that friend that's walking in saying hey you know i'm quiet and i'm soft and and he goes well i can push you around and actually i don't want a human to come into our herd but another human scares him enough to make him not think he can push that could be it too. So it can either mean he trusts someone else more because there's an, uh, something in you that he's not sure about, or it could be uh, he sees a certain weakness that he can push push into you, but the other person is frightened of. It. Either one of those could be the cause why he's choosing the person who, who he chases. But either way, I believe it's him protecting his comfortable little thing because he's got something that he likes and he's going to protect it like a... a, a a horse would their herd, or a stallion, you know, pushes away other horses and keeps their herd together, or something like that. And that's that's what he's going to do. And I think that's why he's doing it.
0: Okay, gosh, um, that's it's really fascinating to hear that answer. So thank, thank. This, I wasn't expecting that at all, <laughs> but it makes sense as soon as you said it. Hmm. So that's good. All right, the final question for today is from Carla. And Carla just wanted to, first of all, let you know um, to thank you for how much you've helped her this year. She's been blown away by the results. She's been sending through quite a few questions on the Q&A. Mark was able to help her as well in Germany this year. Um, so she's really made some great progress and um, really appreciates what you've done. Her question, though, is regarding two mares that she's now working with that have moved on to her farm property from a single box stall. And she's got a different setup. So they're in a new setup with, um, I'm not quite sure what this is, a two earth stall where they have um, more rows behind them. And so there's a bit of a herd like feeling. So I guess there's separation somewhere in, in paddock setups and, and stalls. Anyway, the two mares are extremely clingy. Um, when she can sort of take one horse out at a time and work with them and that's fine she can help them through that separation anxiety but the one left behind is an absolute tizzy fit they lose it galloping up and down and calling out what ideas have you got for the one that's left behind will they settle in eventually
1: yeah um so there's a graded exposure but i'm not gonna even sort of delve I'll, i'll delve into it at the end of this answer. But the first thing I'd, I'd actually do is don't worry about separating them. I'd, if you if you can, and I think um, you can work out your sort of training environment that you could do this, like it looks like in the videos that I've done with online videos with you that I've seen in the background, there's an arena that's fenced off. Um, even if there's a round yard, whatever, bring the two horses out, let one off lead, just work with one, then catch the other one, work with the other. Do two horses at once, educate them with all the sort of principles and the things that I've been trying to sort of teach you, like, you know, do do you trust me? Are you connected with me? Can you let go of a thought? Can you follow a feel? Are you soft in the lead? Can you stand quietly when I just relax the lead? Can you stand further away at a distance, 10 metres on a 10-metre lead? You know, things like that. Get the horses so they can operate, be centred. Comfortable in the decisions that they make around people because there's all these other things in the past that are going to be like creating anxiety and in, in the horse. And it's not. And so basically by building good education on your horse, you're building good self confidence because the way we're educating or the way I'm trying to encourage people to educate is to get a horse to make good decisions, not only all the time when we're around it, but also when it's on its own. So, so the, the coping mechanisms and the thoughtfulness that we're teaching in training uh, filters out into their. To, to the time that they're, they're away from us, um, so you just work on that uh, on either horse, and and the other horse will come over. You can sort of shoot it away if you want, if it's if it's coming a little bit close, just to say not too close. And um, but basically, work one, work the other, and just have them as a pair working until one wanders off and checks the arena out and stands over there and has a rest, and vice versa. So they so they'll start they'll start figuring out that. Uh, that horse is not leaving them. It's the thought of the horse leaving them that panics them. And, and and to keep that thought in their mind without some sort of um, alternative or anything, it's not worth it. So get good education on either horse and you're still making hay while well, the sun shines because you're still getting the bonus of educating that horse. You've got, you're probably going to have a better educated horse because those first so many weeks of educating them when they're kind of a bit close, um, you're getting more done because the horse is not, you're not having to dealing with separation anxiety with one screaming and one running and the other one thinking about that and stuff like that. So you, you possibly be able to get a bit more done. And then slowly but surely, once the horses are more educated, you can you can start to go okay well i'm gonna maybe tie the horse the the spare horse just over there and this time instead of having them loose and wandering around and wandering off and coming back and whatever i'm just going to tie that one there and work near there and then i might go over there and work a little bit then i'll come back over the horse that's tied up and um and vice versa do that with each horse and then you might have the horse in a little box somewhere, go away, work your horse, bring it back, show it that you always bring the horse back. But by working them together for a week or two or whatever it took, you've got a softer horse that you're dealing with and, and you've probably got a better educated horse that's left in the stall. So so basically, um, then you can start your graded exposure a bit more. Like I said, you know, tie one up, work, work, work near it so I can see what's happening, and and slowly work on taking one horse away, bringing it back, and then soon enough you'll do it from the stall. You might sort of have that other horse in the stall and you take the other horse away and bring it back. But before it gets too stressed, you brought the horse back and then take it away again, bring it back, grade the exposure. So eventually what will happen is the horse will go away for a while, but that horse left at home knows you're going to bring it back. They're going to come back. And by then it's got better coping mechanisms anyway. And I think if you tried that, you'll start to make some progress. And the other thing is they've got to settle down for a while in a new environment. So if they're only new to that sort of setup, they have to settle in for a while. So it's really sort of be unfair to strip one off the other one while they're trying to settle in, make the problem worse. So as I say, as they're settling in, you're helping in the settling in process by allowing them to be educated close to each other. And then soon enough, they'll be settled into the new environment. They'll be better educated, and then soon enough, when you do the graded exposure of taking them away, bringing them back, they'll they'll cope with that a lot better. And then 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 you'll probably you know get to a stage that the the things are working a lot better in that new environment when one leaves.
0: Fantastic, that's all we've got time for today, and we've covered a lot of topics. And as you can imagine, this really is just the tip of a very big iceberg recognizing and managing anxiety is key to having a happy horse thank you to all our members who provided these questions and thank you mark for your fantastic insights once again
1: thanks jenny thanks everybody
0: you can learn more from mark and his approach online through his online training videos just search mark langley horsemanship Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven-day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a Question.